The following podcast is brought to you by Car Gurus. Whether you're shopping for a new sports car or a used family SUV, Car Gurus takes the stress out of going to the dealership. For select vehicles, you can even start your purchase online for a faster and more efficient process that cuts down on paperwork and wait times, ensuring a seamless transition from browsing to owning your dream car. Find the best price on your next ride at the link in the description. I'm Gabe Carey, founder of Acceleromota and the voice opposite of our editor-in-chief, Jarek Jalico, and you're listening to Car Meet. Like starting at mid-conversation. Oh, like how it's starting mid-conversation right now? Yeah, I, I, I prefer that kind of podcast, honestly. So, LA Auto Show. LA Auto Show, we went today. LA Auto Show. Um, I'm exhausted. One and only one media day, as far as I could tell. And uh, it was a lot. And, um, well, you know, it was a lot for it being my first major auto show event coverage. Um, I'm sure in previous years it was probably way bigger than this, but still a decent amount. Launches from Lucid. Hyundai. Lucid, I think, was the big one this year. Uh, the Gravity. Um, I know we covered it a little bit before on the site, but this is the first uh, time it's being revealed in the flesh. So we didn't know exactly what the range was before. We didn't know uh, exactly how much power it made or pricing, and now we know it's like eighty k, which sounds low to me compared to where the air is. Um, I'm poor. But um, yeah, 80K is pretty good for a luxury EV SUV, at least, you know. Decent considering the sedan costs more, I believe. Um, Considerably more. Well, the sedan base is around roughly the same, except no one's fucking ordering the fucking base uh, Lucid Air. Everyone's ordering like Sapphires and Dream Deluxe Editions and all that stuff. Like $180,000 to $200,000 cars. Um, so, um, it'd be interesting to see what becomes of the gravity. I guarantee you, no one is going to order the $80,000 gravity. No. Can we talk about the guy that we met when we were looking at the... (laughs) Um, speaking of Lucid, you can't really discuss Lucid without bringing up its number one key bidder rival, Tesla, and the cult that it brings with it. I didn't want to believe Tesla people were a real thing outside of Facebook and Twitter. I thought that was... I've met people who like Teslas, and but not like this guy we met today, standing over by the Lucid. Um, if you guys out there know the stereotype about Tesla people and Tesla fanboys, they are very, very real in real life. And we spotted our very first one in the wild. And, um, you know, I heard about them in podcasts, other podcasts and social media and all that stuff too. But seeing one in real life hit me like a flashbang. I can't um, stop thinking about it, honestly. This guy, okay, we, we he looks, clarify. He looks like a porn star from the 80s. Uh, <laughs> he, has that, he has that haircut. He did have that haircut. He had the whole vibe going. Uh, but this man... What was the first thing he said? It was about the buttons. He spawned behind your shoulder. Yeah, like he, he did. And we, he wouldn't disappear. We were trying to record a video. He came uh, out up front and pointed to the inside. And the cool thing about the Lucid Air is it's mainly touchscreen centric. Surprise, surprise. But there are hard switches and hard buttons um, a little bit in the cabin. But of course, this guy just found that to be like an assault on his religion. Um, <laughs> so he... I was like, oh, isn't that crazy that they got these hard buttons on the wheel? I don't understand why they're going back to hard buttons, these ex-Tesla engineers, when the Teslas that they worked on before had 
like the just the two buttons on the steering wheel, just the two single buttons that did everything. And you change the mode on the screen, and then you control that mode with the two buttons. And it was it was so simple that way. It was so easy. It was just two buttons. No one I know, no friend, family member, fellow auto journalist or consumer has ever wanted a million controls in their car bound to two single buttons. <laughs> well, yeah, like I, I see it as like macro keys on a gaming keyboard, except there's no other keys. Like the rest of the keys aren't there. So you have to rely on like two keys to, uh, you, you know, if you double tap it, then you get B. Um, <laughs> that's what it feels like to kind of ride in a Tesla. It's not super intuitive. Um, I not to knock Teslas because I've driven some and I, I drove the base model three and that was probably the best experience I had on a Tesla. It's definitely um, the best value. I wouldn't pay $130,000 for a plaid. No, I mean, I won't rear wheel drive. So that's how I'm getting it. Um, but <laughs> this, I, I, don't understand like wanting less uh the the minimalism aspect of it 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 clashes with like american fundamental ideology of like they want these huge suvs but they want them to have no buttons what is that um these tesla people are they're brainwashed into thinking that all this controversial stuff that tesla does that people anyone with a working brain would normalize other would normally otherwise raise an eyebrow at this guy was just finding a way to believe that it was superior. Like he questioned why there was wood grain um, interior trim panels in the loose. It looked really nice. It looks incredible. The light cream interior with the light, um, like dry finish wood panels was amazing. And this guy was like, why are they doing that? I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, Mm. because we don't want flat plastic in our basic electric toasters, at least make it look nice and presentable yeah yeah it's a luxury car i mean like has he been in the inside of like a mercedes oh that Um, brings us to the next thing he was like you got you kids ever sit in a plaid before i'm like oh yes i have like real nice interior isn't it just real true luxury car that thing and i'm like okay i knew no not even (laughs) in that instance yeah i knew this man has never sat in a lexus product in his fucking life never sat in a lexus or acura product in his fucking life once um because a model s is decent but it's not just about every luxury car i've been in had a nicer interior than like a model s like the interior is not the appeal of the model s i feel like it's just accelerating in a straight line and telling everyone about how fast you can do it but you know, is the appeal. you know um, what does have an interior that's probably very indicative of its price? The Lucid Air Gravity. Lucid Air is so fucking fun for how massive it is. Three-row, seven-seater SUV. Um, the front has like a fold-out pad so you can turn it into like a tailgating chair, which is totally unnecessary overkill, but screw it. Um, and if you really wanted to revive the Jackass TV series yourself... You could let your friends ride in front while the car's moving and pretty much turn it into an eight-seater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you get that. Uh, we legally, could, I guess you could drive around with someone on the front. It's not legal, but... We don't recommend that you do that. But your you friend do it on can, the beach or something. Your friend can totally spot you because it's yeah. not like you're going to see anything with the front open. Um, but the Lucid Air or the Lucid Gravity will do that. It seems like a vehicle like you could have fun with your rich family in if you're well off like that. 
Definitely, definitely. I can see that being... Um, you can't have that many people in a Model S, though. I don't know why that's the comparison point. If they advertise that You can't well, even have that many people in a Model X. The interior is nice. The 440-ish mile range is nice. The seating capacity, the interior, all of it is just super nice. Um, it's a compelling product. We don't... We didn't get to see too much of it because we couldn't really go into the interior. They had all the prototypes locked aside from the trunk and the uh, front, but it's a very compelling product. Um, if they advertise it right, I'm sure they will sell a whole bunch of them. Um, and it has a pretty good chance of stealing some market share from the uh, Tesla. Um, what doesn't stand the chance of stealing market share, although I wish it did, is the Lotus Electre, which... Um, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I didn't expect to ever see one in person, but there was an Elettre um, tucked away in Lotus's little hidden corner in the Galpin like custom hall of all places. There was an Amira and an Elettre, um, which was open. We could go in it, and it was a very nice car. The interior screens were nice. Um, what little hard switch gear was there was nice. Door handles were nice. Um, the almost non-existent frunk was okay you could probably fit a laptop in it <laughs> it was it was gorgeous and i knocked it at first i know but like the more i thought about it you you know you put up a convincing argument that uh yeah it kind of will continue hopefully to fund more sports cars but at the same time like even independent of that like i think it seems like a pretty solid choice for uh, SUV like a sporty SUV if you want something you know, super fucking fast um, it's going to sell it's going to be the Lotus for people who never cared what a, Lotuses originally were like of course if you're buying the Electric, you never it's cared the Stelvio. you never cared what the Elise was you never cared what the Evora was you never cared what the Esprit was but you see this 900 horsepower 373 mile um, luxury SUV that looks like nothing else on the road that's it's it, the it's the Stelvio. It's the it's the Alfa Romeo Stelvio. It's like people who want like a driver's car, um, and they want that badge and they want uh, something associated with that. But they need the cargo space of an SUV, um, and you know, there's like some prestige, I guess, that comes with it that's different from the prestige of like a regular luxury car. Um, in that, like, there's like, there's like heritage behind it. Um, and that name like means a lot to a certain subset of people. Uh, so I think, yeah, that makes it valuable, um, for kind of the same people who, uh, bought the Stelvio, but at the same time, like the Stelvio is not that great selling of a car um and the problem and and i think this vehicle will face the same problem that's why i brought that up as a comparison point is uh that the the brand itself is not really uh broadly recognized i think by like like the lamborghini urus works because everyone knows what lamborghini is already and there is already that like mainstream prestige but i do not feel like lotus has the same widespread appeal in the that's the tough part. People who like Lotus in the U.S. are the sports car fanatics, and they're not going to buy the Electric. They're going to cater to a new audience, and that's the hard part is their brand cash doesn't apply to the audience 
that normally buys these cars. Yeah. So it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle um, to get these cars to sell. I'm sure they'll probably, even without the brand cash of having luxury vehicles and just building exclusively pure sports cars, I still think they're going to sell decent enough amount because the same amount as the Stelvio like roughly the same I think it's like the same kind of person that's going to be into it they want like something that looks distinct and something that has some kind of like driving heritage and like differentiates them from other people even though it is sort of just but it is electric too so that's a little that makes it different from that um, there's it's a basic that. family SUV too yeah but I'm sure like but it's yeah people who lost People who want the soccer mom car that's cooler and more different than the next soccer mom cars. Yeah, I get that. We have a like Denali Ford. that's kind of the same deal. It'll it's gonna have the Cayenne complex for sure. Um, if they can sell it, how I hope they can sell it, um, it's gonna keep the lights on for Lotus. Uh, hopefully, keep them off the brink of um, financial disaster for the millionth time, um, and hopefully keep their funds up to build more Emiras <laughs> until they can't build Emiras anymore. Cause I think the Emira is supposed to be the end of the line. Um, so hopefully- I think, I think I, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. The, the Cayenne I think is best case scenario and the Stelvio is worst case scenario. What happens? <sighs> I guess it could be worse. The lights are, the lights are still on at alpha. And they're probably still going to be on an alpha for like another 40 or 50 years. So <laughs> I think, I think Lotus, will, I think with the electric Lotus should be. No, okay. I, no, I was saying like worst case scenario, isn't that bad is what I was saying. Okay. It's like going to be niche though. It's not going to be like, uh, your, your neighbor, uh, like three of your neighbors have them, you know, it's not like going to be a common, uh, it's, it's not like you go to a cul-de-sac and you see like, uh, 10 BMWs or whatever, uh, like X5s, and uh, they all look identical. It's like you're going to see a handful of these, I think. Uh, and and when you see it, you'll be like, oh, cool. I just saw an Electra. <laughs> yeah, it's... um, I didn't think I'd be so infatuated with a family SUV, someone who grew up definitely a lot more Super Street and Speed Hunters than a car and driver <laughs> and motor trend. But um, yeah, I'm surprised is... that you have to like convince me of it because it feels like it would be more my taste, but it, what I can don't I say? know why it didn't. What can I say? The Lotus badge, no matter what it's on, has that. I think um, I watched too many appeal. negative reviews and they talked me out of it because I was originally into it. <laughs> oh man. And then you talked me back into it. I just easily swayed, I guess. I only heard one, I've only seen one review of the Electra when it first launched and they were doing like drives in the UK and they were like, yeah, it's all right. It functions as advertised. Um, and like, cool. That's uh, good enough for me. You know Not what? sure if I can justify I'm the price. Thinking back to it, it was a positive review that made me not like it. Um, because... Yeah, it was a positive review that made me not like it because I'm gonna be they a spent contrarian. so much. No, no, no. It was because they spent so much time talking about the like infotainment and the tech. And the more I found out about it, the less I liked that because it is so reliant. It is so like for that guy who uh, liked you know less buttons. Um, and I, I mean that's fine. That's like maybe that's most people, but it feels like other companies are. Uh, backpedaling on that on oh, removing the 100%. physical buttons and this was like very light on that um it's heavily reliant on uh on, on the tech um on uh screens and stuff uh but also i i can't remember exactly what the feature was but there was something to do with the mirror 
first that I was like, oh, I don't know. I was don't it the mirror cameras? Maybe the mirror, mirror cameras, camera. um, but I actually don't hate that anymore. I think this is a USDM car, so it has physical mirrors on it, but they still had the little mount. I saw they still had the little hump on the side where the side view camera would stick out. Yeah. So I saw it was still there. Um, I think they're so cool. I actually don't dislike that anymore. Maybe that was, I think my mind has changed. Just evolved over time. Side view cameras are cool. It's just sort of like a whole um, reinventing the wheel sort of thing. There's no need to get rid of mirrors. Um, the whole camera mirror thing was only useful on like sports cars and trucks with the digital rear view mirrors if to help you with visibility in a car where you otherwise couldn't be able to see out of. I appreciate that it actually has mirrors because I, I think this was my sort of my stance uh, before I found out about the Polestar 4 not having any like rear view mirror or back window. Um, and I don't like that because if the technology fails, then you have nothing. Um, if there's any pandemic fans out there, um, shout out COVID-19. This car is going to be built in uh, Wuhan, China, as I just found out. I knew it was going to be, um, I knew it was going to have Chinese influence in it because I believe Geely uh, had a hand in designing it. And I just looked it up now. They did. Um, designed in the UK at the Geely Design Studio. So it was designed by Geely. So what does what is, uh, Lotus actually have to do with this? Do they have involvement? Um, I imagine if this is a Geely product, um, Lotus did the styling and the chassis tuning because, you know, handling by Lotus. Isn't the, the, wouldn't the styling be part of the design or no? Geely did that. Well, there's a funny thing is it's the Geely design studio in the UK. So it could be a UK based. Um, yeah, team. maybe that is Lotus. Um, engineering and development reportedly done in Germany and then final assembly takes place in Wuhan. Uh, so it comes with a set of vaccines for every allocation reporter. Um, so that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, if you were curious about how Chinese cars are going to be turning out in the future and you just so happen to be a rich fella, uh, get yourself an Elettre and that'll probably let you know. Um, I have confidence in Chinese automakers from what I see in the Lotus. It's going to turn out really well. Um, it felt really well, at least at the auto show sitting still. I have more faith in Chinese automakers and Chinese design studios than VinFast. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, there's two showrooms here in uh, SoCal, as far as I saw. Uh, there's one like near Ventura or Oxnard, I think. And then there's one in um, like a mall somewhere here. So... <laughs> They want to work with us, so um, I'm I'm here for it. I can't wait to review a VF9 or whatever uh, VF is the newest one. I think we're getting a VF8 and a VF9 in the States, but I think somewhere else there's like a VF7. There's like three. No, even in the States, there's like three, three models, I believe, and they're all crossover SUVs. Um, no VinFast car showed up at the LA Auto Show this year. I don't know if they got like... They're going to be a CES. They're going to be a CES or CR. Um, yeah, because it's for people who don't care about cars. Um, and that's the person who is definitely going to buy that, I guess. Like, I don't know what kind of person buys that. Um, yeah, we but care about we care got, about cars, though. Yeah, we care about driving. That snowballed into something completely different. I just got heated about VinFast. <laughs> I think everyone gets heated about VinFast. I get heated in a humorous way. I want a good laugh. Oh, me too. Um, yeah, I, I, that's why I want one. I want to see 
if we can break it. No, don't but, tell me fast. <laughs> but we care about cars and we care about driving. And um, you know what's a good car for people who care about cars and driving? Uh, Subaru BRZ TS. Oh shit, Segway. Uh, Let's do it. No, I'm getting pretty good at that for my first podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, for any sports car fans out there, which uh, if you're fans of this publication, you should be. If not, I quit. Um, BRZTS was in attendance. I believe it was the first time I made like an in-person appearance anywhere. It did so along the WRXTR, but more excited about the BRZ because who doesn't love a good performance package on a car like that? Nothing too special for like a couple grand more. You get some blue piping and stitching on the interior that looks really nice. The red STI start button, four piston Brembo's up front, two piston Brembo's in the rear, uh, retuned dampers. They really don't touch the suspension except swap out the dampers with something that I believe they said should fare better with high frequency imperfections and vibrations in the road. So the car doesn't get upset as much over rough terrain. So um, that should be, that should make for a good drive on some of the battered surfaces that exist here on some of the roads that I like to drive in California and Nevada and stuff like that, or on some rough tracks. I think the TS is going to be really special. Um, a lot of people don't seem to be excited about the You about said, the TS. Um, you said uh, extra couple thousand dollars. Uh, that brings us to like what? 30, um, the limited that it is based on. So you get like the 18 inch wheels with the sticky Michelin summer tires, heated seats with like suede and leather upholstery, an upgraded stereo system. Uh, that's like $33,000 now with the recent price increase that they have for 2024 because they got more standard equipment. Um, I believe the TS is about 35 or 36, which is a little steeper. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, that's not bad. Like, at all it's like one of the most affordable new cars you can 30, buy now <laughs> 35 to thirty-six thousand dollars for something with um better dampers sticky tires a good gear shift heated suede seats that hold you in place really nice brembo brakes pretty lightweight pretty lightweight 2800 pounds um the it's fastest 300 horsepower right oh you wish um the, not the fastest 228 horsepower okay. you will ever feel um Partly because the gearing is so short and the car is so damn light, um, it's thirty-five to thirty-six thousand dollars for all that. That still undercuts like I think a loaded Golf GTI is like forty or forty-five. Um, Mustang GTs are well into the forty-five to fifties. EcoBoosts I think start in the low thirties. But if you want like a performance pack one with Brembo's and special suspension and tires of its own, that one's probably going to be like high thirties to mid forties. Um, sports cars are getting more and more expensive um, which Plus, sucks for people who don't have as much disposable income but you know what the BRZ is there for you even in its most expensive trim it costs about as much as like a mid-level Camry that's not bad at all we can't say that about a lot of stuff anymore Fiesta ST that's gone now Fiat 500 Abarth that's gone 124 Abarth that's gone the Z is more expensive than ever than um, the Supra even with the four-cylinder bases in like the low to mid 40s. So this is a good value. Don't scoff at it just because it makes 228 horsepower. It's a good 228 horsepower. Um, if you don't believe me, take one out for a test drive, take it to your local mountains and really ring through those gears. It'll push you back in your seat a little. 
and it'll grip harder than you'd think. Um, I mean, 2,800 pounds and 228 horsepower is like way different than 228 horsepower on, uh, you know, your mom's SUV or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like it, it's, that's really light for a car now. Like you, there's barely anything under 3,000 pounds anymore. Short gearing helps too. Um, they had the WRX TR uh, alongside it, which is its own performance package. I believe, I'll have to look this up. I believe TR is a historical term for an old WRX they used to make before that stood for tuner ready. Um, and that old WRX TR was like some stripper model um, that was, it literally took the Scion approach. It was intended to be modified. This one is weird because it adopts the TR name, except this WRX is loaded with a nice suede and leather Recaros and the big touchscreen and its own performance pack that has like bigger wheels, sticky tires, Brembo brakes. I'm not really sure. I think they just revived that um, just so they could have a TR performance pack for the WRX and the TS performance pack for the BRZ and just have those as like twins with similar names. Um, WRX it's cool. It's never been a car for me. I personally never really cared for any of the stock WRXs that have driven in the past. I felt like they didn't have enough fizz for me. It's a performance pack for the WRX. It's cool. I'm sure it'll be great. Um, what scares me, I don't, I don't know the price. That's what scares me is the price. I hear it's going to be somewhere between 45 to 50 grand um, because it is fully loaded with all the luxury goodies and the performance pack stuff on top of it. And that scares me. Because I've seen comparison tests and all that stuff. A WRX, I think because of its weight um, and its turbo lag, isn't that much quicker in a straight line than a BRZ. And because of its added size and heft, it doesn't handle any better either. So you'd probably be a lot better off spending less money and having more fun in the BRZ unless you really needed the all-weather capability and the practicality of having a WRX. Um yeah. So uh yeah. I think that's what it comes down to is like the BRZ is like a two-door sports coupe, right? Um yeah, technically the WRX it, is like a sedan. Yeah, technically a two plus two, but those back seats in the BRZ are just like a glorified storage shelf. And <laughs> if it really is gonna be in that forty-five to fifty thousand dollar price range for the TR, that puts it in a really scary price point with other competitors at that price point it's being undercut by the elantra n by like almost nine or ten thousand dollars um it puts it right in the same realm as like a loaded gr corolla circuit or marizo it puts it just a few thousand dollars within breath of the integra type s and civic type r which are superior driving cars um we reviewed in Integra Type S for the site. And uh, I'm a big Mustang fanatic, and I'm convinced that that's gonna be the car that could easily get me out of wanting a new Mustang. That Integra Type S steering, suspension, the brakes is just perfect. That starts in the low 50s, right? Low 50s. It's gonna be, it's gonna be hard to believe that the WRX TR could even come close to that. Um, in terms of feel and performance, it's going to be hard to justify that, even if it does undercut it by a few thousand dollars. Um, but uh, yeah, WRX TR, it's going to have a it's going to have a hard time 
in its market. I'm sure the dedicated fan base is just going to eat it up because there's no there's no wrenching them out of a Subaru. They're just they're going to eat it up, just like how the soccer moms that love Subarus are going to eat up the new Forester. Yeah, I don't think you're going to convert anyone new out of a WRX uh, to WRX from this, but you could probably convert a lot of Rav Four uh, fans into the new Forester. That was pretty cool. Um, Kind of the same, but different. It's, yeah. Two similar. and a half liter Boxer 4. The Still. guy was uh, pretty adamant on correcting me about the transmission being... Uh, Ooh, 80% new parts. It's still a CBT. It's a CBT. I, yeah, I made a comment about it, and uh, it was not... Uh, it was frowned upon over there. Uh, but I get it. Uh, you got to promote your thing. Um, but... It looks it's, good. Yeah. It's promising. The interior looks like a revamped, a slightly revamped and slightly nicer version of the one that came before, which means it's still got the optional like vertical touchscreen and symmetrical all-wheel drive is standard. Subaru EyeSight has been improved. So how it's been improved, I don't know. It's probably more responsive with the forward collision warning and the adaptive cruise. Um the Boxer 4 is still the same, 2.5 liter 4, and it makes like 180-ish horsepower. Now it also comes as a hybrid. That was kind of their big announcement today. It'll be a, there'll be a hybrid Forester a year after launch. So Which I think means that that'll be thing. a 2026 model. model. <laughs> yeah. They're teasing that pretty early. Um, it's not clear what kind of hybrid powertrain it has. It's, it's going to be... Mild, um, it seems like a mild hybrid based on the language. My interpretation is if they don't explicitly say it'll be a plug-in, it's, it's going to be a regular-ass uh, regular Prius hybrid. hybrid. It's going to yeah. be like a RAV4 hybrid or a Camry hybrid or an Accord hybrid. It's going to be a pretty regular-ass hybrid because to them, a plug-in is a big deal. Yeah, um, A plug-in is a big, like the halfway house towards electrification. And the plug-in that they did... Uh, oh wait, they they just did an EV. Have, do they have plug-in hybrids? To I don't think they do. They jump yeah. shift to like the Solterra that they did. Yeah, I was thinking uh, the Solterra. Like, oh, Toyota, maybe they shouldn't do plug-in cars, which is uh, uh, right now a little forgettable. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty forgettable. I've seen like two of them. I've seen one Solterra, and then like two Busy Four Xs, and they're pretty unremarkable. I'm seeing a lot more. BZ4X's. I'm sure they're fine cars. I'm seeing a lot more BZ4 X's lately. Um, but yeah, they seem pretty standard. I think that's like what all commuter cars should just turn into anyway. Is we were talking about this, but like, okay, if we're gonna go all EV, um, or all basically all EV or PHEV, uh, is most of the legislation is outlining that as like the law, um, for 2035 or whatever. Uh, I think. Hear me out. All of the basic commuter cars, uh, they have to become, you know, EVs. But like, there should still be room for low volume sales of ICEs. I think um, that's a whole other conversation. I got carried away, but something I think about a lot. It seems like we're tired and unenthused about talking about some of these. Cars we are tired, but we're not unenthused. It's just uh... um, me personally. I was unenthused for most of the big reveals because I don't give a flying fuck about. No, that's a little disrespectful. It's just a lot of the big reveals are just these family SUVs that they've already revealed online before, and now they're just making their first real life appearance. Um, 
I mean, the Forester was the first time anyone ever saw it. The Santa Fe um, was the first time you saw it in person, but that one's already been revealed. The Lucid Gravity, I think, made its first in-person appearance. But Lucid that was Gravity already... was the biggest, the biggest one because that was the most uh, there were actually firm, concrete details that hadn't been confirmed before yesterday. And I'll give them credit, that was the most interesting. They were the most, of the family SUVs that were there, they were definitely the most different, the most intriguing, the most daring. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite car you saw? And it, it doesn't even have to be... A new launch? It doesn't have to be a new launch, just something you saw on the show floor. Um, that's a tough one. It's hard to pick favorites. Uh, I'm, I don't care what you guys think about electric cars or electric SUVs or electric Mustangs because the Mach-E rally is pretty cool. I mean, I never had quarrel with the Mach-E. I, I always looked at the Mach-E as having Cayenne complex and it was just going to make them more money to build more Mustangs. So the, having a little bit of fun with your bread and butter cookie cutter EV crossover and jacking it up 20 millimeters and putting... Um, Michelin cross climates on it and 19 inch steel wheels with a focus RS wing. That's pretty fun. It's interesting and it's creative and it's something like it's not just a boring NPC car. <laughs> There's a rally sport mode in it, which I'm sure like seven owners are going to use, but apparently it's, it's going to function kind of like a Baja mode for that where you it's tuned for high speed um, off-road running and it'll let you s slip the rear end out and slide it like a rally car. Um, like Electricana, if Ken Block R.I.P. Um, drove a Mach-E instead of an Audi, that's probably be like up, right up his alley. Um, that was pretty cool. Mustang GTD was cool. I saw that for about seven seconds and said, "Yep, that's a wide body Mustang with crazy suspension underneath." Um, and a lot of carbon fiber. More than you can afford, pal. Um, <laughs> um no, if. I think a, I think an easy choice for a favorite that I didn't even know was going to show up. It was just there on the floor. Mm -hmm. The Honda Prelude concept. Oh yeah, yeah. That I thing is. Almost sick. forgot we saw that. <laughs> um, you guys remember the Civic Coupe from the last generation? It looks like that, but with like a sportier-ish version of the Honda Insight face and like a really hot um, tail end that looks like a kind of looks like a sporty more compact version of the Accord rear end. It's a mix of different design languages from various Honda models blended onto this low slung compact body that looks like the old Civic Coupe. And I think that's fucking rad. Um, this one was running on, this one was an interesting color scheme. It was just like this glittery white with black wheels wrapped in continental summer tires and blue Brembos. White and blue is a good combo. Um, yeah. This is not, an all-electric sports car like people feared it's planning to be a hybrid i think some a lot of us actually thought it was because we it was, it was misreported it was actually misreported by a lot of publications at first and then they had to go back and correct it and say oh it's actually a hybrid not a everyone thought, electric vehicle everyone there on the floor was like oh it's gonna be electric and then lo and behold we all learned from the little plaque sitting on the floor um the concept is hybrid what it is going to be a hybrid of, um, I don't know. My guess for something as aggressive looking as that is it's probably going to have a hybridized version of the Civic Type R 2-liter 4-cylinder. Um, 
mild hybrid non-plug-in, probably a, like a really small battery pack. So I'm guessing it's probably going to be between 350 to 400 horsepower, um, which would be awesome. It would be scary if they kept it front-wheel drive, although it would be funny if they kept it front-wheel drive <laughs> and just do front-wheel drive burnouts everywhere you go. That would be so sick. I haven't seen a fast Honda Coupe like that since, well, I think the last SI Coupe or maybe the S2000, all of those convertible. I, I think what, like it's interesting how the Japanese car companies have sort of carved out their like prematurely carved out their niche for like electrified vehicles uh as being like uh i mean i mean like clear obviously this is a plug-in hybrid uh, or a hybrid uh but at the very least like it seems to be establishing a platform for what's going to come in the future which might you know be a bev um that's what other companies are doing as well um but they're like establishing themselves as like the sports car uh brands um, because there's really no, there is no EV sports car that I know of really in the mainstream. Uh, not really that I know of. It's that anyone that like people can afford who aren't billionaires. Like the, there's a right McNavera. Um, it's pretty affordable. You'll probably get like a, you can probably get a loan on that for like 2,156 months. I think. <laughs> um, From CarMax. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think. The Japanese, I think the Japanese are having a pretty good time of forging their brand identity in this new future, unlike some of the other cars. Um, J- Japan is having a good time um, waiting through this new future, while the Germans are just churning out all sorts of like random bullshit. Except cursed grills. <laughs> cursed grills, wonky powertrains. Um, there was rumors. BMW that- wasn't there, were they? They were there. Oh, were they? I lied. No, they're not. Um, <laughs> I couldn't remember either. <laughs> they had an XM there, which I thought was heinous as much as it was cool. Why, why was there an XM there? That Auto Nation micro lease deal. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know what that is. So apparently, if you're just if you just love throwing a mo- if you just love throwing your money away and are the most indecisive motherfucker in the world, um, I know people like that. Auto Nation will now let you lease cars for terms as low as six to 12 months so um i do know people who switch cars that often so maybe it's good for them comes with it's i imagine they're new cars so it'll come with maintenance and a warranty so that'll be fine yeah i guess um not sure who that's for except gabe's friends so a couple of them change keep changing cars um i'm not gonna get into it but (laughs) 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 certain people with uh Camaro to Camaro to BMW. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if he hears man. that, that's fine. <laughs> what is other examples? Oh, speaking of a fun brand identity, um, no one came back. I don't think anyone's had a better glow up in recent years than the new Acura ZDX. I completely forgot that the ZDX existed before. Um, avert your eyes and don't Google the first gen one. It's heinous it makes the bmw x6 look like an aston martin um it was a pretty heinous coupe uv looking thing but this new one just looks like a skinnier lower slung more compact like mdx got like a nice um normal suv profile except it's a little more um slender i think the nose is longer um 
I think they're pitching it to initially launch as a kind of sporty performance-ish EV SUV, which would be cool. It's launching in an A-spec and um, A-spec and Type S form, which uh, I'll have to see what the power levels are on those. Definitely the Type S is going to be faster. Um, I think they both come with Brembo's, or I think only the Type S comes with Brembo's and sticky tires. Um, I had a newfound appreciation for Acura this week. Um, their design language is awesome. Especially trust- after riding the NVX that you're testing out uh, for review. Um, I think it was a lot it was a lot nicer than I thought because I had been in some older Acuras recently and it was okay. But It's a lot more interesting. Um, I'm glad it's that I had the opportunity and- to drive uh, newer Acura models, shout out Acura ride. USA. Yeah. Um, the design language inside and out is pretty good without having the heinous oversized grills that some of these Lexus cars have. If you're not a fan of big grills, but you like Japanese luxury, I I might skip Infinity. I think I'd go Acura. Acura's yeah. Yeah. pretty good. The interior, um, the screens are pretty okay. Um this MDX has that weird Lexus touchpad thing, though. <laughs> you get better every time you use it, but still, you just wish you had a goddamn touchscreen. I'm not sure why they looked at Lexus and thought that was the move, but um, at least there's hard physical buttons in this one in a 2024 car. Yeah, I'd much rather have that than the buttons uh, than worry too much about that touchpad if, thing. If the ZDX <laughs> just drives like an electric MDX, I'll be happy. Because the MDX is very solid, handles actually quite well for a family SUV, but take that with a grain of salt because I have the Type S model, because of course I do. Um, it's probably worth mentioning, though, that it is, it's, like a, it's a GM platform, right? It's on GM's platform, right? ZDX? GM, the Altium platform? Yeah. Is the ZDX the electric one? Yeah? Yeah. I think... Yeah, it's built, on, it's built on the Altium GM, the platform, the GM platform. I'm going to fact check that. Uh, yeah, I watched uh, several videos on recently on that That's and the Honda one. Hear. Acura, Acura, Honda, and GM. That's a partnership I never thought I'd hear of. Yeah. When was the uh, last time a Japanese manufacturer? Acura unveils its first GM-based electric vehicle, the new ZDX. Yep. And here I was thinking Honda did it all on their own. <laughs> I, I didn't know you didn't know. I thought you knew. Uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty much a blazer. Well, you know what? The Blazer EV is cool. Um, I'll give them credit. GM builds decent stuff. And if... uh, I I, I think it was the right move because they... I I watched an interview with, like, one of the designers recently and he mentioned, like, they just weren't ready and they're working on their own EV platform, but, like, they didn't want to just shit something out to do it. Um and they needed to put out an EV hey, to be competitive. I'll give them I'll give them credit for this though. Um, they did such a good job at imbuing their own design language on the interior and the exterior that I never would have guessed it was GM Altium based. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that either because like GM's EVs are pretty damn good for you know ZDX. Very good impression so far. Can't wait to finally go on an official press launch for it. Acura, please hook me up because I want a seat in one. Um, what else was that LA Auto Show? More family SUVs. Oh, my favorite uh, was not a car from this decade um, or, uh, you 
even it was from last decade. Oh, uh, here we go. Let's, now we're, let's now keep we're, now going. Now, let's now keep... it's actually getting. Now it's actually forty-four minutes into this podcast. Now it's actually we're getting. Finally, into... talking about the Aston Martin Signet that we saw. An actual good fucking car. Uh, like, it... forget what I said about the BRZ. This is this is this is it. This Sexy. Is it. Um, this is gonna take the cake from the prelude right here. Is it's it? it's a Scion IQ. Um, so like a like an XB, but like round and smaller. Uh, and it, it it's rebadged with Aston Martin shit, but also it's not just like badge engineered. It also has a completely different interior, even though it uses a Toyota key, is what I've heard. Uh, let me paraphrase this. Um, brand new, you were probably going to pay like I think seventy or eighty thousand dollar. Not seventy. Seventy to eighty thousand British pounds for basically a Scion IQ XLE. Um, <laughs> it has lots of leather, lots of really nice leather, but um, still the same plastic dash with no nav. And I think it's a five-speed auto. <laughs> which you know what? If you're a British businessman who just bought that as like a throwaway car, there there is a V8 version, but I think. There's no way more than like five of those were made. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure those were made exclusively for the Goodwood Festival of Speed. And oh, really? They, if they haven't crashed already, they're probably sitting in a museum somewhere. They're just Aston's hanging out collection. in hell with the Nissan Juke Nismo. Oh my god. The Juke R. That was cool. Um, <laughs> but this, uh, the Signet, there's one here in the States. Galpin Autosports has one. Um, it is lightly modified with like cherry blossom design on the headliner and cherry gorgeous. blossom design on the interior door panel trim um, to accent the brown Aston Martin saddle leather that adorns this entire interior from the floor mats it really well, yeah. to the dash. Um, the only thing it doesn't touch is the plastics on the basic ass Scion Toyota radio. But yeah, follow us on Instagram. Like probably by the time this comes out. Uh, we'll have some photos of it so that you can actually see what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was it was very pretty, and it just cemented what I already wanted to do, uh, which is to buy an old Scion IQ and convert it gradually into an Aston Martin Signet. Um, so, and and Patrick George says it was a good idea, so I have to do it now. How and why a Signet is here, I'm not sure. It's not 25 years old, but I think there were so few of them made. It's probably here under that show and display exemption. So yeah, you could probably drive it. I don't think you can drive it more than 3,000 or 5,000. I think you can't drive it more than 3,000 miles if it's here for show and display, which is just enough for me to go to my local Smiths and back and hopefully not be seen by the neighbors. Um, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> that was um yeah that was pretty much the highlight from that and the lotus booth was pretty much the highlight of the uh galpin auto sports uh section um, that, that was probably that was one of the better aspects of the show in general i hope us being loud with alanis king didn't um bleed into the live podcast that they were hosting that morning uh, we, bumped, <laughs> we bumped into alanis king uh, I also minutes. ran into the cameraman while they were like filming. Um, so oh, yeah, and we, it blocked the camera. So I we, feel like a huge asshole. We okay, yeah. So we definitely like fucked their shit up. Um, yeah, we're sorry to the. We sorry. 
we're sorry to the um, Autopian, but we hope you can look back at this um, by next year's LA Auto Show and get a good laugh. Ha ha, please don't We've block. only existed please for don't like, block me. We've only existed for like seven months, so cut us a break. We're, please don't like, block we're us. Sloppy. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're still figuring out our footing. <laughs> um, anything from the LA Auto Show? That we saw that we I feel like we really did like. so much and now I'm thinking back on it, I'm like, what actually was there? <laughs> oh yeah, if anyone doesn't really know, auto shows are getting smaller and smaller now just because like manufacturers don't care about I saw the E Ray. I mean, like obviously that's been covered to death, but I still like it. I've seen one before, but I still Hey, we should count ourselves lucky excited for it. We should count ourselves lucky that the LA Auto Show wasn't necessarily as big as we anticipated and automakers like to do their own private in-person launches instead because if this was as big as like the geneva auto show in like 2015 we would go through hell trying we to don't have the want. yeah we don't have the bandwidth for it we don't have like the resources so uh that is actually kind of a blessing uh maybe next year if it's bigger then we'll be able to handle that but even if it's not like you know, we were able to cover too. everything because it was because smaller. it's smaller. Yeah. yeah, auto shows are auto shows are kind of dying now. They're made more. For, I feel like they're made more for the public because you what this auto show gets like nine public days, but one media day. And yeah, all, and, and every auto show is like two weeks long, but uh, like on the schedule, yeah. on the schedule for the media people, um, there was probably like only four or five press conferences throughout the media day from the major auto manufacturers. And it was like the family SUVs from Lucid, Subaru, Hyundai, and Kia. Um, oh yeah, what did, we never even got to Kia, did we? It was the EV3. I know, we didn't ever, we never covered it. Oh yeah, we, that was, that was one that, that was one that slipped our mind because we were so, we were so hell bent on um, getting a video and a picture of the Lucid, which we did. Yeah, yeah, that was hard. That was difficult, but you can sit in the front, so that's pretty cool. Hopefully by the time this podcast goes up, we'll have something written on the website or something posted on our social medias for you all to see too. It will, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, final thoughts. Um, we at least got to drive a base model Corvette C8 all week, so that was pretty fun. We got to go on a <laughs> I, roller coaster. I rode a, a 2024 Corvette C8. Um, yeah, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be on TikTok. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was kind of the highlight of my week, to be honest. And it had nothing to do with the LA Auto Show. But I'm glad I came out here to do it. Um, I'm actually most excited this week about shredding the ever-living hell out of this MDX Type S in the canyons <laughs> while this, while blasting a Euro beat from the initial D soundtrack. You don't. I put, love that for you. You don't put Type S on an Acura and expect me to not do that. You don't give me lowering four corner air suspension with double wishbone front um, double wishbones in the front and Brembo's um, and quad exhausts and a 355 horsepower twin turbo V6 and expect me to not um, apex the local canyons. Um, so that'll be fun tomorrow morning once Gabe embarks for his journey home. I have to leave tomorrow and I have to drop off the Corvette and I'm going to miss it. So the Corvette was I. <laughs> I'm gonna miss it. It's a it's a good value for what it is. Like it's there's not a lot you can get 
for that actual starting price uh, that has that level of performance and style and uh, just general premium feel, I feel like, uh, in a sports car. Yeah. Like, you mentioned the Cayman, but the Cayman starts way above that now. Um, So... No, I think I you can believe. get. A, I think you can get a Cayman in the. You can still get like a base Cayman in like. It's slower though. It you can't get like a comp, uh, like a competitively uh, spec Cayman for. That I price. am. <laughs> I am super hardcore um, purist towards my driving. Um, I have full faith that driver for drivers, the guy in the Cayman will blow the doors off someone in a. But what if it's the same guy? What if it's the same guy? Yeah, and you ran the test with the same person. Um, if it's the same guy, you should be able to blow the lap times off uh, a base non-Z51 Corvette in a Cayman just off the basis of how small and nimble it is. If they're both base models, you think? If they're both base models, now that's tough. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about base model. But that's the that's the paradox is no one no one orders a base. I'm going to order uh, the base model. No one orders I'm gonna a base I'm going to do build to order. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Porsche is going to look at you and you're yeah, going to order a base cam and be like, well, we do not do that here. But the, yeah, but I'm saying per for your dollar, yeah, because if no one's going to buy the uh, base model Porsche Cayman, um, then it's no longer in the same price range. I like the Corvette. It's just hard for me um, to say that it's my kind of car. I'm, I guess I'm just not old enough. I don't think I'm racist enough. Yeah, um, um, I'm two years older and I'm white, so. <laughs> so uh I, I am problematic enough to uh enjoy the corvette i think you should get i think you should just get the corvette um and the racism the racism will come at age you'll get there. you'll get there yeah um i hope not but uh yeah no me and my dad want to get matching corvettes so i think that would be pretty sick and that's a pretty go, fucking we answer get, yeah we could get uh you know, build to order, uh, we go to Kentucky, do all that stuff you were mentioning earlier. Um, you know, pick it up. And hey, if Acceleromoda, um, yeah, if you guys up, click our car guru's affiliate links enough, um, I can um this poor, uh, founder, um, the, our poor founder slash videographer slash deputy editor, um, over here, <laughs> slash emperor, Swiss army knives over here, <laughs> um, might be able to get himself an E-Ray instead of a Stingray. Ooh, um, I think the E-Ray would depreciate faster, so I'm rooting for it to do that. Uh, so just I hope they make it. enough of them. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, I don't want this anymore. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I should have bought the Z06. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that much different price, right? I think the Z06 and the uh, E-Ray are probably within twenty or $30,000 of each other. Yeah, year. yeah. I think, no, if if the E-Ray starts at like a hundred to 110000 then they're within the same range. Okay. So then it's just a matter of personal preference. Do you want super so hardcore track rat or kind of sort of efficient-ish all-weather Grand Tour or balls-to-the-wall straight line um, Corvette? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not like an all-wheel drive person, though, so I don't know that that is, really fits me. I, I feel like... I, I feel like you like a car like that. I trust GM to make a good all-wheel drive system. I would... I would Especially if it's hybrid. I want to try it, yeah. I See, I'm pro-hybrid, but I'm not big on all-wheel drive. But maybe, you know, things have changed a lot in the past few years, so... I've driven some pretty decent... I've driven more good all-wheel drive cars than bad all-wheel drive cars. Yeah. Um, WRX bored me. WRX STI excites me. Um, Focus RS is a really good all-wheel drive system. 
Um, do I have any? Have I ever driven any good all-wheel drive systems from luxury automakers? I guess X Drive in some BMWs is pretty okay. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I've only driven I it. I much prefer rear-wheel drive uh, BMW to uh, all-wheel drive. And again, I've only driven them on SUVs, so I haven't really pushed it oh, in a super yeah, performance yeah. manner. But for what it was, um, they were pretty good. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, MDX super handling all wheel drive though, magic seventy percent. Well, I want it from of, an SUV, but I don't want it as much from a sedan or like a sports coupe or whatever. Well, I'm pretty sure most SUV buyers don't care if their all wheel drive system can send seventy percent of its power to the back and then a hundred percent of that power to either left or right wheel. But it's the all wheel drive cool system. Pretty cool that they have. do it. <laughs> it's like. Uh, I don't care that it has this, but it's pretty fucking cool that it does. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. I like it when uh, auto manufacturers do that. And they just like throw people, like five people a bone um, who actually want that thing. Yeah. Who actually like care about that. Uh, whereas like most people who buy it aren't going to. I hope they don't burn themselves with some of these choices. I'm, I'm not sure if the um, Integra will sell as well as they hope, but um, it's done pretty well to have garnered another model year without threat of cancellation and the type s model so yeah so acura's acura's cool acura's cool i wish they did a press conference at the la auto show for the prelude i wanted to know more about the prelude but i guess That'll arrive when it arrives. They just announced it, right? Like the concept at uh, dude, I think less than a week ago. Like, like yeah, like ago. two weeks ago. So, but there was no there was no press conference about it at the LA Auto Show. It was just there. It was just there. It was just sitting there. I didn't expect it to be there. That's it was unexpected. Um, for sure. Hopefully, when this goes up and you guys can see the prelude on our social media or our website, I know I'm definitely going to write about it on the website as part of like a big highlight compilation of the show. Um, you'll get to see the prelude and if you haven't seen it already it's a pretty looking thing it's a pretty looking thing it's just a smoother more modern version of the civic coupe like i said face of the insight um face of the honda insight that was a pretty good move actually yeah i think that's a good place to to leave it um i mean unless you have anything else you wanted to address from the show i feel like we were both kind of like underwhelmed but also you know there were some we were, highlights we were underwhelmed by the reveals but we were grateful for the chance to go and we were grateful that the show wasn't ultra super big because we would have worked ourselves to death <laughs> trying to cover what we wanted in one media day we do have a lot of videos uh and photos coming and some of them are probably out by the time you're hearing this um and we have uh, a roundup uh, coming up on the site um you should you know, visit our website, but also sign up for our newsletter um, at accelerometer.com uh, and slash newsletter. Uh, and also follow us on Instagram uh, at Accelermoda, TikTok, all those. Uh, we're at Accelermoda on everything. Um, follow us on threads. Follow me on threads. Uh, Gabba Julia, um, which is like Gabba Ghoul and Julia. The, Oh, that Romeo car? Yeah. <laughs> um, and also Gabe. It's like a lot of things. Just like uh, at the end. The end. We never talked about the Iona 5 here. 
shit. Yeah, but the N means Nurburgring. Nurburgring and Namyang. Yeah, so it's multiple meanings. It's just like Gapajulia. Just like it. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) A little insert. um, Ionic 5N made its North American debut at the LA Auto Show, and it was cool. It's pretty much nothing has changed except... Pretty much nothing has changed about any prior media you've already read about it, except now it's here stateside. So yeah, look out for that at your cool. local dealership. It's cool. yeah, it's interesting. I mean, interesting is all we have now. It's weird that uh, Hyundai is just now like really getting into the performance car thing. What kidnapping an ex BMW M engineer does to a motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I enjoy my I enjoy my German cars a lot. It's just that. The Americans and the Japanese are becoming a little more interesting nowadays. Yeah. I'm going to become a Corvette guy, the anti-Corvette guy, and I'm going to really uh, show the world that they're not all uh, boomers in jean shorts and uh, white New Balances. Some of them are uh, cusp millennials in jean shorts and white New Balances. The racism is going to be inevitable, though, so just uh, just prepare for that. Uh, it'll hit you like a freight train. It, uh, yeah, they, they say that. Yeah, they One say, day you're going to wake up with that Corvette in your driveway, and you're going to look at your wife and just come like, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, she, she, I don't think she'll let me go, which is fun. Uh, let, let us know whether I should get a Corvette C8 uh that's built to order and an absolute base model um or if i should get an aston martin signet or if i should just keep the julia um and hope that it stays intact hey boost our engagement numbers if you guys have also kept up with the la auto show on your own time let us know what was your favorite car your favorite unveil or your favorite thing that was just there in attendance Um, we'd like to know We'd like to know um, how correct or incorrect your opinions are. <laughs> All right. Uh, you want to plug your own social media as well? My name is Jarek Jaleco, editor-in-chief of Accelerimota. This is Gabe Carey, um, founder slash emperor slash videographer slash head overlord. We're of all doing a little of everything. We wear a lot of hats here. Um, but thanks for listening, um, and we'll uh, catch you next time. Fuck it. Jailbreak the Tesla. Fuck it, jailbreak the Tesla.